Welcome to the APM podcast brought to you by the Chartered Body for the Project Profession. My name is Emma DeVita and I'm the editor of APM's quarterly journal Project and your host. In September, APM held its annual Women in Project Management Conference in London under the heading of Pathways to Progression. The event gave delegates the chance to step away from their everyday project work to focus on their careers and put their project skills to work on themselves. With two streams focused on both career progression and personal development, the event also welcomed inspirational keynote speakers. Opening the day was Dame Inga Beale, the former CEO of global insurance giant Lloyds of London. She told delegates about the importance of aiming high and why it's never too late to get focused on advancing your career. Look out for our in-depth interview with Dame Inga in an upcoming episode of the APM podcast. In this episode, we've compiled some of our highlights from the first stream of sessions at the Women in Project Management Conference. These sessions focus on how project professionals, women in particular, can take their career to the next level. So listen on to hear tips including how to balance work and family, how to strategize your career and the importance of intentional networking. In our first clip, we hear from Evelina Crook of The Instant Group, Dr. Adeshola Cole of Tritech Consulting, and Dr. Anne McCann of the Government Property Agency. In their panel session, they discussed ways to move up the career ladder. We hear first from Evelina as she picks up the question of how to request a promotion or negotiate a salary increase. From the day when I start, whether it's a new job or whether I've been in a role, throughout my performance reviews, I plan to deceit with my managers about what I want to do next. Mm -hmm. I know it sounds a bit crazy, and it isn't to say that I am not concentrating to do my 100% in the role I have. I'm probably doing it, loving it, and I'm pushing really hard at it. But I talk to them about the next step. And sometimes you have first line uh, or whoever you're reporting to who will maybe not want to listen. So you just keep on coming back about it. One of the piece, perseverance, mentioning it over coffee. Oh, I'm dreaming about this. I'm dreaming about that. And some of your bosses may surprise you. And my current CEO really surprised me because from the day I started working with him, he was thinking about what he's going to do next. So he's thinking about succession. And therefore, he started talking to me about what he thinks may happen in our team in two years' time and how he's going to go forward and how he needs to be thinking about how we're going to move forward. So you never know what your boss might be thinking about. So do not be, don't hold back, talk about your dreams, talk about where you may want to go next in the future. I agree with that. And also justify why you want that promotion. Um, You don't just go to your boss and say, can I have a promotion? (laughs) What do you have to back it up? Is it your skills? Is it more certifications? Is it self-study? So you need to have a portfolio of everything in order to back up you wanting a promotion. Okay, Um, how did you make the jump to senior leadership? Was it an internal promotion or a change of organisation, Dr Anne? It it was interesting, the last question, because I've got one word to that. 
ask. <laughs> okay? And if you don't get, mm-hmm. you know where you stand. Yeah. If you don't get with a promise, you still know where you stand. So for me, it can't be of sometimes profit in your own country. Sometimes you have to leave and move. And that's what I did. And I'm really pleased I did that because it gives me a breadth of experience so you can work in the private sector, the public sector, move around. Sometimes that's how I've got here. And I'm pleased I did that um, and, and that worked for me. I think I just turned to the civil service and I've been a senior civil servant for three years, which isn't very long in comparison to the level that other civil servants spend maybe 20, 25 years, and therefore maybe a bit more tricky. But if you have an organisation, you can move into different parts as well. So I can understand that if you really like the organisation and the values, maybe try a different sector of the business to get that promotion. And I think the other thing is, if a job comes up, apply for a senior promotion. And even if you don't think you're going to get it, doesn't matter because what you're sending is a message to say I'm here I'm, I'm letting you know I'm here and I would like promotion so I may not get it in year one but I might get it in year two our second clip is taken from a session called how to adapt and adopt to embrace change and agility which was a fireside chat between interviewer Deborah Feekins of Marlowe Consulting and Beth Rylett of BAE Systems In the following clip, we hear first from Beth, then Deborah, as they share their advice on pathways to career progression, whatever your current career stage. I often have this conversation with my husband. He's like, follow a career, find something that's secure, pays well, go for it. And this is when we're talking about our children, by the way. I've got three children at home. Whereas I'm probably the complete opposite. Follow your passion, be curious, ask people, reach out. And don't necessarily expect your career pathway to be straight. Mine really wasn't. I was all over the place. But I've now landed in something I really enjoy. The company is embracing. And I've got some massive support around me. And we're now at the position where we can start to make some real change into the business. Uh, And I'm so excited with where we are. And I would really encourage anybody who is slightly interested in this go and speak to somebody because it's just a great area to get involved in. And with new neuroscience and all this other stuff that's coming out, it's only going to grow. Fantastic. What about you? Well, there's definitely been a theme, hasn't there, today around networking. And of course, I'm a great advocate of networking, but actually I'm going to call it intentional networking. You actually have to almost make a plan to network. Networking does not happen because you happen to bump into people. It happens because you give it time, you give it space, and you give it energy. And when we're all busy doing the day job, it can be very hard. There's a a really good TED talk by a lady called Rosaline Torres, and she talks about putting in your diary three meetings a week with people you wouldn't necessarily normally speak to or indeed even agree with. And I'm a great believer that you have to talk to lots of people, whether they are comfortable or not, whether you are going to have a long-term relationship with them or not, to really do some listening. And I actually have the same advice to change managers that are out there and to clients that we deal with. Think about that listening plan before you think about your communications plan. And I think that's the same for all of us. How are you going to go and listen? How are you going to to get on? The other thing that I think is really important is reciprocity. 
there is definitely something that I observe, that people that share, that give up their time, that give up their help and support to others, somehow seem to reap that back because people are ready to help and support them. Certainly in my career, I've had lots of people that have been with me along my journey and held me up when sometimes I thought, perhaps I'm not going exactly where I should be. So talk to lots of people, work out your networks, work out those that are going to support you, and don't be afraid to seek help whenever you need it. And sometimes even when you don't need it, because feedback's great, which we've also been hearing a lot of today. You've raised a really good point, actually. I was very fortunate through my life. I've had some really inspirational role models who I've been able to seek mentoring and guiding from. So again, I would encourage everybody to, to do that. And even if your role model that you think of is a bit left field, don't let it stop you. Our next highlight is taken from a session entitled Women in Leadership, in which a panel of senior project professionals shared lessons for women from their own career journeys. In the following clip, we hear from Eloise Douglas of the British Army, Emma Burrows of PA Consulting, and Martina Blake of the UK Space Agency. They discuss diversity in the project profession and how to open up more opportunities to people from ethnic minority backgrounds. Here's Eloise picking up the conversation. So my role at the moment is, so project delivery capability development. So I'm all about recruitment and enhancing capability and making people upskilling and everything. So in the army, for example, um, inherently we've only uh, recruited in a, in a certain area, which is not particularly diverse. It's white male dominated. Um, so I've taken the initiative to increase that by recruiting in different parts of the UK. So in establishing hubs, so it opens up to people to apply for jobs that wouldn't necessarily apply for it in mm. the, in the sort of area that we are. So I think in doing that, then you enhancing diversity opportunities. And in the army, it's all about um, there is no uh, diversity in that sense. It's like it's everyone has got the opportunity to apply for everything. And me as an advocate for women and everybody in defence, it's um, there's no barriers. But I think opening it up to not restricting yourself to a certain area really helps that. I love that. Thank you, and Emma. Um, I mean, so I think a lot of firms have got a long way to go to, to do this. And I think it's first and foremost, you've got to be able to attract those individuals into the organisation. And then I think it's about creating those fair and, and open opportunities for everybody. Um, but it comes back to that allyship. It comes back to the championing, creating the opportunities. And it's on us as leaders, you know, in firms, you know, and in teams, you know, on projects and programmes to recognise that we have a role to play in that. You know, when you spot talent, you know, you elevate talent. When you spot people that might be struggling a little bit you elevate them too it's about creating the even even playing fields um, and I think only by talking about it and by advocating for it, I think will we make a difference love that thank you and Martina yeah and I think although most of the challenges I faced have definitely been around sort of gender bias to me I'm very conscious of other other biases that, that that are there and so one of the things that I am heavily involved in across government is our equity diversity inclusion strategy as well which we, that will can be recently launched uh, for the Infrastructure Projects Authority. And that's something I'm really, really passionate about investing my time in and, and just making sure actually that we you know, operate a profession across government that is open 
listen to all. And I'm very, very passionate about not just those that work in the profession, but actually those who want to work in the profession. That's always something that I try and get through to people. Actually, there's a lot of people out there who just maybe don't know how to get into the profession, whatever sort of background you're from. So social mobility and, and you know, what we call ED and I, or sort of that equity, diversity, inclusivity is, is something that I focus a lot of my, uh, dare I say, spare time uh, on in, in government as well. Our final clip comes from a session called Sector Insights to Support Your Career Plans, which brought together practitioners from different sectors for a comparative view of their differences and needs. In the following extract, we hear from Hayley Bunnell of Versus Arthritis, Rukaya Issa of HMRC and Victoria Richards of Jacobs as they discuss the challenges of balancing work and family life while trying to progress in your career. I'm in awe of women that can balance family and work. I myself am young, free and single. Um, <laughs> I have lots of women in my team who are mothers, one to twin three-year-old boys, which, you know, I just can't imagine. But I guess I would say really consider who you're working for and if they're mm. not accommodating yeah. um, of your other priority alongside your work, then I would question whether that's somewhere you want to be contributing your energy and your efforts. And I know that's far easier said than done because security, especially at the moment, of a, of a job is really important. But yeah. I would like to think that I, as a manager, am very supportive of my team in that role and I would hope that everyone else would be <laughs> yeah it is hard I've got three daughters all at very different stages of their life one's at uni one's at college doing her a-levels and the youngest is 10 so she'll start high school next year and you know a lot of the time you have the mum guilt um, that you okay. you live with and it is quite challenging I was lucky I had my parents to help with my children when they were younger and, you know, one thing I don't do is work weekends. So there are times where we've been under pressure, everything. Mm. Uh, I'll work late in the evening sometimes, but sometimes it's tending to the kids and then working. So luckily in the government sector, there is flexibility. So, you know, sometimes during the day, I might take time out and then do some more work later on. But it is a challenge and, you know, hats off to people that, that can do it. So, yeah, for me, I had my children late in life as well. I've got two boys, 10 and uh, 9. And I made the choice when, when I had them to uh, take a, a, a year off for maternity. But it, it was hard. Uh, I had family as well that could look after them. Um, and I feel like it did. I did take a step back from my career, but actually it doesn't take that long to catch up no. once you're back in it, once mm. you're back full time. You know, those, those early years are really important as a family, and I think it's quite nice to prioritise that. Now, working from home, um, my boys will say, Mummy, you work too hard because I'm working from home and I'm there working it's from visible, home. Visible, isn't it? Yeah. it? But again, hopefully I'm a good role model to them that actually it's, you know, it's important to have... Ethic. Enjoy your job, that's what I say to them. I enjoy what I do, and that's what's important. That concludes our wrap-up of the Women in Project Management Conference. Next year's conference will be returning to London on the 26th of September 2024. To register your interest in the event, head over to apm.org.uk. If you enjoyed this Conference Roundup podcast, check out our earlier episode published in August, which brought together highlights from APM's Change Changes conference held in Birmingham in June. APM runs more than 200 events every year, ranging from webinars and award ceremonies to day-long conferences. You can find out more at apm.org.uk events. 
That's it from us for this episode. If you enjoyed it, don't forget to subscribe or leave us a review. Thanks for listening.